Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Dave Stevens Podcast, part of the Off the Ball Network. This is episode 208, dedicated to a man who on July 1st, 1916, this Pittsburgh Pirate, at 42 years old, hit an inside-the-park home run. Mr. Honus Wagner. And as always, thank you for listening and downloading another episode of the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Mr. Mo Murphy, the host of the Up in Flames podcast, also one of the two VPs of the Off the Ball Network. As him and I kick off a series going to happen once a month until we get to 1996, as we are going to look back to some classic or just some enjoyable some draft classes that have a lot of things tied to them. That is correct. Today is all about the 2003 NBA draft class. Mo and I look back at this draft class, what sticks out, what maybe doesn't stick out, what if things were different. There are a couple what if scenarios that you will hear during our conversation Mo and I have a lot of fun. Before we get to that, I want to do a quick reminder of some things that I don't normally do. One, fill up that review section on Apple with five-star reviews. Once again, fill up that review section on Apple with five-star reviews. It's a quick way you can let other people know about the podcast without ever talking to them. And it's a great way to help the show grow as well. Jay is working on keeping the YouTube page up to date. Go ahead, go to YouTube and search the Jay Stevens podcast. Hit that subscribe button. This interview is up there. The interview portion, only Mo and I speaking, is on the YouTube. It goes live at 12 noon Eastern time. That's the plan going forward. Every interview will be live. If, if there's a video component, it'll go live at 12 noon Eastern time. Five star reviews. Go ahead, subscribe to the YouTube page as well. Looking forward, in a few weeks, we are going to have a dream college football road trip. Mo Murphy will be a part of that. Mo Murphy, Jeff Hunt, and Mr. Chris LeBron, three of the head men at the Off the Ball Network. Trust me, this is enjoyable. This is fun. We have all talked about it. We've we've spent time trying to figure out the best way to put together our dream college football road trip for this year. It's going to come later in the month of July. I'm going to tease it now because this is something that I have been looking forward to for quite a long time. Got some great guys to go for this here project or this here enjoyable journey during the college football season. Just can't wait to let it out. Can't wait to fill you in on what's to come here on the podcast. Let's go ahead and take a trip to the state of Texas to enjoy my fun conversation with Mr. Mo Murphy as him and I look back at the 2003 NBA draft class. And joining us now here on the Jay Stevens podcast, it is Mo Murphy. Mo and I had done a show previous I think it was last year talking about Ohio State football um, live on Facebook and on Twitter he is a VP one of the two VPs of the off the ball network and he is here for a very special show as soon as I reached out to him about having him come on this show Mo made a comment and said oh I got a lot of thoughts about that 03 draft class so I'm glad he's here joining me today Mo Murphy welcome for the first time first of many to the JC Simmons podcast yeah, I appreciate you for having me on, bro. Um, you know, we've we've done a couple shows. You've been on Up in Flames a couple times. 
Uh, we have that chemistry. We have very similar, you know, being Ohio State fans. It's like a different connection. You and Jeff have that connection when y'all get together all the time. So I'm definitely glad. And then what, what better than probably if you look at it like my era's greatest draft class, if you really look at it when I was born, you know, this is probably my era's greatest, greatest draft class that we're going to talk about. It could be the greatest draft class ever in my era on uh, depending on what some of these draft classes in the future hold. That's a good way to put it. And just a little side note for things looking up into the future. Coming in the month of July, later in the month of July, Mo will be back with us. It'll be Mo. It'll be Jeff Hunt. It'll be Chris LeBron. Three guys, you're getting introduced to Mo now. Jeff and Chris have been on before. We're going to have a dream college football road trip. That's all I can tell you right now. But when you hear the rules, when you hear some of our teams and what kind of goes into this dream college football road trip, I think you'll love it and possibly hit us up on Twitter to throw some of your dream road trip ideas to us. Speaking of Twitter, Mo, let everyone know where they can catch you on Twitter, as well as what goes into your show, what's unique about your show, and what you love about hosting the Up in Flames podcast. Right. Well, first, you can follow me at Mo underscore cheese 15 on Twitter and Instagram or at Up in Flames pod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can hear my podcast pretty much anywhere you get your podcast. I try and do the YouTube stuff. I'm not that great at it because it's like, you know, Jay, you know, it goes a lot of work into just promoting an audio show. So adding YouTube on top of getting it on all your social media stuff, you know, that's tough. And then, man, I started Up in Flames in March of 2020. Um, I guess I start. Well, not I guess I started. Because I was a guest multiple times on our very own uh, Rob Cruz Football and Chill. Cruz, you guys, you know, if you listen to anybody on the network, you may know him from Cruz Island on Wednesdays. But, you know, I started with him and I always have had a passion to talk sports, kind of a dream to just be a broadcaster. Uh, School didn't work out. You know, I do the military thing. But basically, I got on his people, you know, got really good feedback. And then he was just like, you know, you should do your own show. And not in a sense of kicking me off his, but he's like, man, you know, you can have your own. I can have my own. We have different platforms. And, you know, it's kind of been that was kind of the start of creating. You know, I've been able to link with you even before I was with Off the Ball Network. Steve, like all the great guys that I've been around, I've had they were some of my first guests, first people to talk to. I mean, I think what's unique about my show is the plan of it was like, man, this is going to be uncut, raw, say what you want, you know, no filter. But then I just thought about it and I was like, as I got flowing and doing stuff, I'm like, man, some of that was just not necessary. Mm -hmm. So now it's just one of those you could come with with hot takes, um, however you want to look at it. But it's just an energetic show. I feel like on my show is like, you know, it's people prepare to bring the energy like, oh, they come a little bit different in their show. I'm loud. You know, Jay, I'm loud. I talk a lot. You know, I think we're very similar in a sense. We're loud. We like to talk a lot. So. I just think, you know, it's a good way to be energetic and, you know, basically talk sports. And it's very it's very insightful at the same time, too. It's not just coming on there talking nonsense. Uh, we break we break games down. We talk about scenarios. We even hit on some of the topics that, you know, the media doesn't talk about because those are just as important as talking about LeBron James every day or talking about Kevin Durant every day. That's what that's what sells in the media. But for us not having that ESPN platform where we have to talk about these certain things to get the ratings, you know, it's, it's a good way to give flowers to everybody else. So I've enjoyed doing it ever since. And it's grown bigger that it's been, you know, got me a part of the network. The network has grown bigger. It's been amazing. Met a, a bunch of 
a bunch of dope guys. There's a bunch of other dope content creators out there. And one thing it made me realize is, man, there's a whole bunch of me's out there. It's like a family, you know, like we get together, we talk sports and it's like, there's a whole bunch of other people with the same interest, same goal in in game as me. Yeah, man. I was talking to Jaya Jeff on after, or I talked to Jeff about some stuff we did after we, you and I did the show, you hosted the show about expansion in college football. And I made a comment with Jeff there. I said, Jeff, me, you and I disagree about the expansion, but that's what we love about sports. The disagreements, mm-hmm. the times when we get heated or things that get us going that's what we love. The disagreements, they're not going to separate us. I mean, we're still going to be cool. We're still going to be boys. Still going to right. chop it up. Still going to laugh. Still going to disagree. But that's what I love about the network. That's what I love about having you on the show and doing shows with you. No matter what, somebody may disagree. You laugh at them. Okay, great. So Somebody may disagree with you. They laugh at you. Okay, great. At the end of the day, sports, to me, they're supposed to be fun. And I think what you bring with your show, it makes sports more fun and more enjoyable for not just you, but for everyone that comes across, comes across your show. Right. Yeah. I appreciate that. I mean, that's kind of the goal is just like, I love sports and I love my teams, you know, and it's easy. It's, I won't say it's easy to get me going, but somebody talk bad about them Buckeyes. It, it'll get me going. <laughs> I've, I've had heated nights. I, that That's the one team, like of all the teams that I love, that's the one team I ride or die for. Like I, I will probably, I, I will punch through a wall about Ohio state. Like, that, that's just my one ride or die team. So, but yeah, it's just a fun way. Like, I just love talking sports and getting with guys who have the same interests. We always have great conversation, you know, and then building platforms. They come on mine, be on my platform. They bring me back on theirs. So I always look at it when I bring somebody on and they bring me back. It's like, okay, well, I was at least good enough to obtain a chance on their platform. I did good enough. They I rubbed them off. I, I rubbed them well enough that they're like, yeah, I'll bring them, you know, I'll bring them on mine. So I always appreciate the opportunity of coming on somebody else's show. Mo, you're here on this show, and today it's about all about the 2003 NBA draft class. And like I told you off air, we're going to be doing this a little series um, going back from 03 until 96, just highlighting, talking about different things, different details about the different draft classes, what makes them unique, what makes them stand out. The 03 draft class, it is special, man. You can look at the top. Yeah. You can look at the all-stars. You can look at that, those guys that maybe – aren't really known in the draft class. Here's a name for you. James Jones, I believe, was in this draft class. Now he's the GM or play, what president of basketball operation, whatever the title is, for the Suns, just one yeah. executive of the year. Just talking about those types of things with this draft class. But, Mo, when you think about this draft class in itself, what comes to your mind? And I hope you don't choose what I think. I didn't share this with you, but my thing is not LeBron. I'm not going I'm not going LeBron first. So I'm curious what yours is because I got one thought about how we might view one player completely different if he was drafted in one different spot. Well, I feel like I know who you're going <laughs> to you go might. with, so I'll let you go that way. But just overall thought about the draft, this draft was very underrated. And I say that we talk when we talk about this draft, we talk about four guys. We talk about LeBron, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. But we don't talk about, like you said, there's James Jones, there's Kyle Corver, there's Michael Pietras, uh, TJ Ford was in this draft. Like, there's a lot of guys who were, like, key teams on really good playoff runs. Uh, David West, Kendrick Perkins, like, Big Perk, the guy who's on ESPN now, on Twitter. Josh Howard was very key to Dallas Mavericks. Like, there's a lot of good players. Like, so I think it's underrated because Luke Walton was in that draft. He's a head coach in the NBA now. 
Jason Capono was a three point, like two time three point NBA champion for the three point contest. I know that doesn't mean that much, but he was a sniper from three that people just kind of get lost about because of those four key names. Mo Williams was in that draft. Like, and he was a really good point guard, had a few really good years, uh, borderline all-star at one point. He's he's known, I think he's most known for his time in Milwaukee and the roster spot that he had in Cleveland um, in 07 when a, like LeBron took that team single-handedly to the NBA Finals. I think that's where most people know Mo Williams from. But I would say outside of the four names that makes this draft class one of the greatest draft classes of all time, it's very underrated as some of the other players that you would see on this list. Leandro Barbosa is not the guy that I was hitting at earlier, but Leandro Barbosa also in this draft class. I loved absolutely loved watching him play with the Suns because that's yes. that, that Suns team with Nash. You got Stoudemire. I believe Sean Marion was on that squad. Those guys were yep. a lot of fun to watch. But the one player that I thought about Carmelo Anthony, imagine nah. if Carmelo and I had a feeling you knew I was, where I was going. Mm-hmm. Imagine if Carmelo Anthony was drafted one spot quicker. Now, I'm not saying that the Pistons are going to win a championship first year with Carmelo, 03-04. They did end up winning the championship in 04, beating the Lakers. I believe they smashed Lakers in five. I mean, Carl Malone, yeah. Carl Malone, Gary Payton, Kobe, Shaq. Okay, cool. That, that team was so old, though. It was old, and Carl Malone got hurt. Yeah. But I'm, I'm curious. So I really wonder, how would we view Carmelo if the Pistons didn't draft Darko Milicic? Now, we all know, we all remember – some people remember what Melo did in the NCAA tournament, Syracuse, that phenomenal run, the way he played, most outstanding player. But if you put Carmelo, who does not play defense, not young Carmelo, not old Carmelo, on that Piston squad, when you got Chauncey Billups, Tayshawn Prince, Rip Hamilton, Rashid, Ben Wallace, these guys that made their staple on the defensive end, you got Rashid Wallace, who can stretch the court. If you put Carmelo on that team, one, he doesn't start. Because I don't, well, I don't know if he defensively can fit in with that team the way Tayshaun Prince did automatically as a rookie. But number mm-hmm. two, I don't know how we view Carmelo. He view Carmelo differently. Because let's just say Carmelo is the same exact player he has been his entire career, but he got a ring his rookie season with the Pistons. Even coming off the bench, let's say he was a sixth man. That's Interesting. Yeah, Darko Milicic's decision by the Pistons. I remember that. I remember exactly what was going on um, during that draft period. He said, you're going to pass up on Carmelo Anthony coming off of this phenomenal run to draft a foreign guy? And people didn't know foreigners like that back at that time. You go back, no. Dirk is older than this, but nobody knew who Dirk Nowitzki was at that time. You want to go back, Scotty Pippen keeps talking. Tony Kukoc? Did anybody know who Tony Kukos was in the early 90s? Maybe if you watched European basketball, but you're overseas. That stuff was not in the NBA like it is. You can watch it whenever right. you want. That mm-hmm. Carmelo Anthony, Darko Milicic, that switch there. I'm curious. I, I, it's a hypothetical. I don't know how we view Melo. I like Melo. I love, I love Melo's game. But if Melo has a ring, those people that lift up the ring in arguments and accolades and arguments to try to describe how a player is – you can't really use the arguments people have against Melo because he got that ring his rookie year. So I agree with you 100%. We, we, I talk about this all the time. And I think this is like when it comes to the NBA draft itself, when it comes to drafts around all sports, this is one of the biggest what-if moments in any draft. My two drafts that I'm concerned about is NBA or NFL. 
This is one of the biggest what if moments. And there's a few of them, especially when we go NFL route and talk about quarterbacks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But if you talk about everything you said is what would have been the beauty of Carmelo Anthony playing in Detroit. He's not that great of a defender, which means he may not fit into the starting lineup, which means at his rookie year, he is his game is exactly what you need your six man to do. That's it. I don't need you to do anything else but go in there and get a bucket. That's what I need you to do. I don't care if you can play defense. Like your six man is usually never your best defender. Mm-mm. They just could get a bucket. And I think I don't want to stamp that they win a championship um, in his rookie year. But I mean, that Detroit team is a lot a lot better with Carmelo Anthony coming off the bench. Mm -hmm. Because I I feel like the way that starting five, they fit so perfect. I feel like Melo was just a perfect six man for that team. But then, you know, with that culture and who he would have been influenced by, Rasheed Wallace, Ben Wallace, Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, great leaders, guys who had, you know, really great careers. Ben Wallace is now going to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, Billups, is he already in the Hall of Fame? I don't think so. I don't think he is. He, he and he might, might be take down a minute road. to get there. Yeah, like he he might take kind of like Ben Wallace, but Ben Wallace on his way. Rasheed Wallace had a really good career. Rip Hamilton, like you know, he he's known for his shooting, but I think that mentality would have been on Carmelo and Young. You you hear you know the late great Kobe Bryant talked about Melo. He was one of the hardest players to guard, but he was one of the matchups he looked forward to because. The best players brought the dog out of Melo defensively. He was not a defensive guy every night. But when he played against LeBron, when he played against Kobe early, when he was in Denver, he played defense. Now, granted, that doesn't look like much because they both scored 30 on each other. But he did. you brought the best out of him. The best players brought the best out of Melo. And so with that being in Detroit, like not only do you talk about Melo's career could be different, a whole state of a franchise could be yeah. different with the Detroit Pistons. Like, you seen LeBron stayed. I mean, Melo stayed in Denver, uh, what, a year shorter than LeBron stayed in, in Cleveland. But you never know. Like, Detroit could have been a destination. They've always had – they've had success in almost every era, every decade. They've had some type of success or at least been a relevant team. So to say that they would have had a building block with Carmelo Anthony and wouldn't have been able to continue that through the late 2000s and 2010s, it's kind of crazy to me. They'll pay you. They, they would have paid them nice. So to me, that's just one of the biggest what ifs because it definitely, you definitely would look at Melo different. I think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he did enough in his Denver years in New York that I don't care about the end after year like 12. I think he did enough there. And it's like, well, he doesn't have a championship. Well, there's a lot of players that don't have championships that are in the Hall of Fame. But if he did have a championship, Melo would be probably consider at the very least a top 20 greatest player of all time. I think that championship is a huge knock on Carmelo Anthony. It is. You know what some people forget about? Not saying this is a knock against this player, but I think people forget about Chris Bosh and how he transformed his game from the Toronto Chris Bosh to the Miami Chris Bosh. One thing I loved about Chris Bosh in Toronto, and I'm so glad the Pacers the team that I, I've loved my entire – well, not this past year. The past year was horrible. But I have loved watching play my entire life was the Pacers have toughness. And I'm glad that the Pacers and the Raptors were not in the same division. So the Pacers did not have to see Toronto four times a year when Chris Bosh was in Toronto because he was a dog. He was a problem in the post. But just how he was a problem in the post, 
him being unselfish and being willing to back away from his own skill set, alter his own game, and be a nice, a decent three-point shooter in Miami and really open up the floor for the way that fit LeBron James the best in a way that LeBron needed to play the basketball. I have was actually listening to someone this is about maybe maybe a year ago. You're talking about Chris Bosch and saying, man, Chris Bosch was net was not good in Toronto. He was trash. And I'm saying, go back and watch YouTube because we we don't say film no more. We say YouTube. Go back yeah. and watch, go back and watch YouTube. Watch those games. You talk to his peers, you're going to find a lot of the guys that played against Bosch. They're going to remind you. And you're going to see with your own two eyes on YouTube, your own two eyes on YouTube. Chris Bosch in the bot in the post. Wow, I'm getting my tongue tied. Chris, Chris Bosch in the post. Back in Toronto, Mo, that man was a problem. Chris Bosch, for anybody to say that would be so surprising. And I would probably be like, I don't know how much. Like, you'd probably lose me with that statement. Because oh, Chris Bo- Dreadlock Chris Bosch, like, that's a thing. Like, yeah, yeah. when he was in Miami, people were saying Chris Bosch need to get his dredge back. Like, yeah. there were times people were disappointed that they weren't seeing the Chris Bosch and he's very his time in Miami was very underrated, by the way. It was me being a big time Heat fan. We won series off the back of certain performances in certain games. Series changed because of Chris Boss. Key 2-2, Chris Boss, 30 point game five. Like we've won series. You you win because you're a superstar, but the series alters because of your role players. Mm-hmm. Chris Boss was a, a all-star role player, however you want to look at it. But we won some series like. I don't know if we go to the championship four times without Chris Bosh. Yes, LeBron was our most important player. Yes, D-Wade was the second best player. But, like, Chris Bosh kind of tied that whole team together. He was, like, the X factor. You know, I mean, in the shot that's considered to have saved LeBron's legacy, Chris Bosh was very key to that. With He got the block on the defensive end and then got the offensive rebound on the offensive end and then finishes with the block after Ray Allen hits that shot to win, to, to go on to play a game seven to win the championship. So I think Chris Boss is very underappreciated mm-hmm. because he was so like Hollywood. The big three in Miami was so Hollywood that you don't remember before or after. Cause he still was really good after the big three split. And it was just D Wade and Chris Boss who stayed around in Miami. They were still really good. Uh, they weren't a championship team as expected. But they didn't crash and burn like any other franchise after LeBron leaves. And then you look at the, the Toronto years. It Had Bosh been able to play that game, I don't know he would have fit so well with LeBron. <laughs> but he, he had to do that for the big three to work. He absolutely had to do it. D-Wade had to change a little bit. There was times in Miami he was playing point guard. So both of those guys had to change. But so did LeBron. Like, people don't realize LeBron had to change. To me, that's when he truly became an all-around player and facilitator. Yes, he facilitated it and did it all in Cleveland, but it was just something different in Miami. I mean, when we talk about as great as LeBron has been, Miami, I think, what, is it 2013 or 2014 when we could – that might be LeBron's best year in the NBA. I think it was 13. Yeah, like 13, the first championship. Mm -hmm. That might be LeBron's best year he's ever had. Oh, first first championship was 2012. Then no, then it was the second championship in 2013. 2013, 2013. When that might have been his best year, and it's like, like that's comparable to a lot of years, but that might have been the best we ever seen LeBron James. So it's like, but Chris Bosh had to do what he had to do. I just feel like he's the guy who's underappreciated because we focus on LeBron, 
who is this, obviously the true star of this draft. We focus on the what if with Melo, and we focus on the fact that D-Wade is a three-time champion, and we don't show that same love with Chris Bosh because he didn't have the most success in Toronto as opposed to D-Wade had already won a championship. Melo had been to a Western Conference Finals, and LeBron had already been made a finals appearance before Chris Bosh came to Miami. So it's some people have this whole notion that he like rode their coattail, but at the same time, they needed Bosch as much as he needed them. So Mo sticking with this theme of what if, and number one overall draft pick LeBron James, you can talk about whatever you want with LeBron James. Oh, his, what he's doing now in LA, what he did in Miami, what he did going back to Cleveland, what he did in Cleveland the very first time. Well, I want to stay with this theme of what ifs with LeBron and ask you this question. I want to go to two parts. And mm-hmm. take as much time as you want to describe it. The first part, what if LeBron didn't leave Cleveland, Cleveland the first time? And then second part, assuming he still goes, what if LeBron and D-Wade didn't shift their mindset that first year, half of the season, 2010-2011? Yes, ultimately, they still lost in the finals to the Mavericks team, to a Mavericks team that was just playing out of their minds. I mean, Dirk was Dirk, and you have J.J. Barea coming off the bench, getting 18-20 points. Like, that's just unheard of. But – Two-parter, take your time. What if LeBron never left Cleveland the first time? But also, what if LeBron and D-Wade didn't shift their mindset that first season in Miami? So I think if LeBron had never left Cleveland, man, I think you look at LeBron a little different. I I really do. Um, Because that that, the way him and D-Wade linked up, it was like D-Wade already won the championship. He knew what it took to be a champion. D-Wade had played alongside Shaq, uh, another, you know, champion. And so D-Wade had that championship mentality. He knew what it took, that heat culture with Pat Riley. And I think LeBron needed that. Had he never left, he would have never got that. And we could be saying, like, does LeBron have a championship at all? Yeah. Like, and I, because, like, we, we would assume he would have won one eventually. But if you look at during the Miami Heat era – you had, we'll say maybe he gets an another all-star in Cleveland, maybe, but you would have been going against the Indiana Pacers and Paul George. You would have been complain, uh, competing against the New York Knicks and Carmelo Anthony. You still would have had Dwayne Wade in Miami, and he would have had a lot better team built around him because it's Miami. Easier to get free agents. Pat Riley's always going to make something when you talk about a great GM. So you talk about those. Miami still remains competitive. I don't know if they win championships, but – he has to compete against that in a lackluster destination of Cleveland, Ohio. The only attractive part about signing there as a free agent is you're an aging veteran trying to get a championship but and go play with LeBron, but LeBron doesn't have that, that mantra around him that, you know, he could get me to the promised land as I'm aging and want to get that ring if he never leaves Cleveland. And then if him and D-Wade don't – if D- See, the thing is, D-Wade was the biggest reason why that big three worked. Yes, he was. Because D-Wade ran Miami. It was called Wade County. To this day, like, people call it Wade County. He had signs, welcome to Wade County. He was Miami. Like, you think about sports at that point in time, too. Like, Florida Marlins weren't no good. The Miami Dolphins wasn't no good. Like, Dwayne Wade winning a championship was the one good thing. I mean, he was the biggest star in Miami since Dan Marino. Like that, he yeah, was the biggest yeah. star since Dan Marino. Probably will be the biggest star for it's going to take a lot for Miami to have any type of star on the pedigree of Dan Marino and Dwayne Wade. When you talk about the history of Miami sports, 
those two are right there and it's neck and neck. Who was the biggest star? I would say Wade might get that edge because he did bring a championship to Miami, uh, brought multiple, but he did bring one before, uh, pre LeBron. So D Wade had to take that step back. He had to take that back seat. He had to say, I will be, because this was like the best LeBron was coming into his own as the best player in the league. D-Wade was still a top five player, but he wasn't as good as LeBron, and he knew that. And he was a point guard, and he knew LeBron. He was a two guard, but he played a lot of point guard for Miami throughout those years, especially the couple championship and playoff run years. D-Wade had to take a step back, and he knew, like, man, I can't be ball dominant. It needs to be LeBron. I just need to get in where I fit it. And when you really look at it, the highlight of plays they made because Dwayne Wade was able to take that step back and say, like, yes, this is my team, this is my city, but we're going to welcome you and allow you to take over the kingdom temporarily to win these championships. He knew this wasn't going to be a forever fr- – this is a forever friendship, but he knew it wasn't going to be forever for basketball. And we looked at Wade will never leave Miami. LeBron could venture off back to Miami – or uh, venture off out of Miami. And obviously, once he got that taste of a championship, knew what it took to be a champion, LeBron felt like he owed the state of Ohio. Everybody talks about Cleveland. Yes, it was for Cleveland, but it was for the state of Ohio. It was it was for everybody, just the state of Ohio as a whole. So I will say if D-Wade doesn't do that, this big three may not be as successful, even though they could have been still because they just would have been so much better than everybody. But you would have looked at them because at first everybody looked at them the way you look at the Nets big three right now yeah, it's like man yeah. they, they got three of the most talented players but how are they gonna fit is james harden and kyrie irving gonna do what's necessary to fit alongside each other and that's what people were wondering with Dwayne wade and lebron is Dwayne wade and lebron gonna do what's necessary to fit alongside each other and we've seen in both instances they did what was needed to do especially you know kyrie and harden so i will say if had d wade not done that there's still a possibility that they would have been as successful but the biggest thing is how do we look at LeBron had he not left Cleveland the first time because maybe he doesn't have a championship or maybe he only has one. But at the same time, I feel like sometimes LeBron might be better off being 2-0 and or 3-0 and in the finals than being 4-6. and Ten finals appearances, four championships. I feel like he'd be better off being 2-0. and The way people kill him for getting there and losing – it's like, okay, so you'd rather him have been 2-0 and in the finals, which he probably could have did that in Cleveland each time. If he would have made it, he would have won. But there's some people who would have rather, have like, he'd have a better case for being the GOAT being 2-0 and as opposed to 4-6. and But it is just, I don't know how late it goes into his career before he gets the championship. He could be that guy. He would have had to leave Cleveland eventually, I think, in my eyes. If eight years you got him no help, I just don't see how in another four or five things would have changed then you talk about there is no Kyrie Irving in Cleveland, which means there does become no Kevin Love trade. There was no possibility of does LeBron raise Andrew Wiggins into the next great star. None of that happens if LeBron stays because they were typically one of the top two to three seeds in the Eastern Conference. So that would be the trickiest one because like LeBron could only have one, maybe two championships. And I still think he would have had to leave Cleveland to get them. That's true, man. You make a good point. And it, something popped into my head. Well, a couple of things. One, Mentioned LeBron and how people view LeBron because what is he four and six in NBA five? First off, it's so hard to get to one NBA championship. Just get to the championship. I'm not saying mm-hmm. win it, Mo. It's hard to get to the NBA championship. Chris Paul's trying to get there. Devin Booker's trying to get there right now. Giannis is trying to get there. 
it's hard to just get James Harden was trying. It's hard to just get to the finals. Right. Got there 10 times. Okay. You win four, you lose six. Now I get it. You had the losing record. I will scrutinize that and I'll pit lift that up, move that down if I need to. Let's just give the man some credit. It's hard, very hard to get there. At the same time, it also makes me think and remember, think back to a Magic Johnson. Magic lost in the finals. Don't nobody lose, don't nobody lose their mind and push Magic down because he lost in the NBA finals. You look at he's kind of a mystical figure. He's kind of like LeBron, like LeBron had the night. I mean, Mike had the 90s. 80s as well, but he didn't win. Magic ran the 80s. And mm-hmm. people look at the 80s and say, oh, Magic was this, Magic was that. Magic wasn't perfect. Magic got a coach fired. Magic had his own things that he was doing there. I, I'm not even talking about the off-the-court stuff. He had his own right. things he was doing there in L.A. that if it happened now, you would view Magic completely different. It's hard to get to the finals. I, I think people lose sight and lose track of how hard it is. In a typical season, 82 games. Even if you load manage, you're playing 65 to 70. That's a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. best of seven every single series, you may sweep somebody. You may go five. Pretty sure one of those series, you're going to go six games before getting to the finals. These are the best of the best of the best in the world playing this sport. I think people need to give LeBron some credit. And I, 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 I'm, I'm critical. You're critical at times. We, we, need, we need to be. Mm-hmm. Give LeBron credit for being able to – get to that many finals but also this is a great reminder we talk about the shift in mindset and do you mention d wade and lebron and what they had to do that year one it's very 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 hard to win a championship year one when you're together big two big three doesn't matter scotty pippen and michael jordan didn't win a championship year one um um magic and kareem did but that was that was just a special thing because those two dudes those are that's just rare that's very very yeah. rare but scotty pippen Michael Jordan didn't win one year one. Kobe and Shaq, it took them numerous defeats in the playoffs before they did what they did in that Mm -hmm. 2000 series. You have, let's just go now, D-Wade and LeBron. Yes, that Mavericks lost in the finals, but you got to give them credit. They got to the finals that year, same draft class. And then this year, you have Harden, you got KD, you got Kyrie. Injuries, they happen. Mm -hmm. LeBron and D-Wade did, not just to get to the finals, not just shifting the mindset, but them getting to the finals, you can look back at numerous big twos, big threes, first time they were together. They don't get to the finals, Mo, and most of the time they don't win. What Kawhi did in Toronto was rare. We we rarely see it. Get there one year, you win, you fly out. Benefited from injury, too. It was very... That, no, that's true. That's true. That's true. Kawhi's but, championship was one of those, but that's, that's a topic for another show. But That's true, but I mean... I'm trying my best because I'm, I'm very critical of LeBron for numerous reasons. Um, mm-hmm. But I got to give LeBron credit, man. The what if for him not leaving Cleveland, that's crazy. But I want to give LeBron a lot of credit. He did a lot in Cleveland both times. He mm-hmm. did a lot in Miami. He's doing stuff in L.A. I don't know what next year is going to look like. They got to make some roster changes. But still, LeBron in Miami, LeBron making it to 10 championships. I don't know if we're going to see a guy – with the current landscape and how the NBA might change down the road, do what LeBron did in a 18 year career so far in the very near future. Cause bro, it's tough to do what LeBron did just winning that much being that successful. It's very, very hard to have that kind of success once again in a league that is always changing. Yeah. And to me, 
LeBron, Wade, and Bosch, all three became some of the most hated players when they did that. Not one, not two, not three. As if they were the first big three to ever get together. Right. As if, right. you know, Boston never existed. Right. But it was the whole, they went Hollywood. LeBron went Hollywood. Dwayne Wade, who was a fairly quiet dog, went Hollywood. Celebration. Chris Bosch comes up from, Can- or comes down from Canada. Goes Hollywood. You know, uh, LeBron does the decision. And a lot of, oh, he doesn't do it right. The only the salty fans are the fans that he went and visited and didn't say, I'm coming to, you know, I'm taking my talents to South Beach. It's one of the most iconic sayings of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's because it had so much backlash. It had so much love. If you were me, who was a Heat fan, sitting in front of your TV, I was in Houston, Texas, when he made the decision, visiting my grandma. I remember that day. I sat in front of the TV and I'm waiting on LeBron. I, I watched the whole, what was it, 30 minutes? From like 7.30 to 8 o'clock, or was it an hour? I think it was at least an hour, I think it was bro. an hour. Yeah. And I just remember watching the whole thing. It was about like 7 o'clock, and he finally makes the decision. I just, oh, my God, we're winning championships. Like, that was <laughs> like, we're about to win championships. Chris Bosh, you know, 30 minutes after he made his decision, Chris Bosh is coming. He was just waiting on LeBron to say where he was going. And I'm like, we are winning championships. Any other org- – imagine him and Dwayne Wade also visited the New York Knicks that year. Imagine if those guys go and do that, but went to the Knicks. Oh, all the Knicks fans, all the New York media would love them. But because they didn't go to New York or L.A. with that Hollywood media stuff, people hated them. So it took away from and then LeBron's chasing Jordan in a sense. Uh, he wants to be the greatest player of all time. Who was who's widely considered the greatest player of all time? Michael Jordan. And what's worse now than ever is the older generation doesn't know how to differentiate greatness. Like some of the older guys I talked to was like, oh, these, the argument, these young guys are soft and this and that. And I'm like, it's, it's a change of pace because I could talk about these guys and I'd be like, they're way more talented. They're way more skilled. They're more athletic. They're bigger, faster, stronger. Yes. They're not as tough, but they're way more skilled than half of these guys. You know, some of these all-stars and legends weren't nearly half as skilled as the second guy coming off the bench. But LeBron is that he's the start of that new era. And then people hate he is the Jordan of this era when you talk about greatness, because people right now are not chasing Jordan. Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, all those guys, they're chasing LeBron James. So people hate it because so many other fan bases, the Steph Curry fan base, the Kevin Durant, the Kawhi Leonard, he now becomes one of the most hated players. Because the guys who are defending Steph and who like to argue that KD is better, who like to say Kawhi is now past them, then you got the Greek freak coming and you got some of these young guys and it's like, ah, it's time for LeBron to move on. But he gets scrutinized because he kind of fell in the middle of two eras. Like he's, he's he's one of the guys who are like the entrepreneurs of this new era, even though Steph Curry is the credited as far as the three point shot goes. But LeBron is like, you know, he's been the face for so long, but then he came at an era where I even think people are a little bit salty. He took away from Kobe's greatness because you talk about Jordan. Jordan ran the whole 90s. He ran the 80s, too. But that's that's the Magic and Bird era. The 90s is Kobe. I mean, Michael Jordan. Kobe didn't even run the whole 2000s, and people hated that. He ran. He had a couple years. And then, you know, I was listening to Colin Coward. I was like, man, somebody actually made full sense of it. Tim Duncan also was in that same era as Kobe. So the Kobe fans fight hard. Oh, he he was better than LeBron until like 2012, and that wasn't the case. So there's a whole bunch of different fan bases that have to hate LeBron instead of just 
appreciating his greatness. And when it comes to when he leaves the league, you've seen it with D-Wade. D-Wade's my favorite player of all time. Yeah. When he left, it was like, it was just an empty feeling. Like, mm-hmm. man, I don't know if the NBA will be the same. That's why I'm so happy how the NBA is the way it is now, because I'm like, all right, I thought my favorite player, I know, you know, grew up to watch him. You feel like you know these guys. You get a connection. But LeBron is going to be the Jordan when he leaves. We're able to see that there's a lot of young talent. But when Jordan left, people were like, oh, my God, there is some young talent. But is the league going to last? Because he was a larger-than-life figure. LeBron is a larger-than-life figure. He, he's more than basketball. Doesn't take a, a sports nerd or, or a guy like us to know who LeBron James is. Kids who don't play, pay attention to sports know who LeBron James is. He has shoes. They, he may not be Jordan, but he gets compared to Jordan in all aspects. And I think because Wade, Bosch, and LeBron joined together from the same draft class, joined in the same year of free agency, I think people will forever have a problem with this draft class. And it, it'll get taken away from Carmelo because he didn't make this move because people forget it was supposed to be Melo, not mm-hmm. Chris Bosh, mm-hmm. playing with Dwayne Wade and LeBron James because they were all buddies, the banana boat crew. But Melo left the year early and chased that bag in New York. I don't think championships was on his mind. He went, you know, he's from New York. He wanted to go back home and make money. And that was what he had a hundred million dollar contract. And that was one of the first hundred million dollar contracts we ever seen. Now they blow those out of the water. Your, your average player gets a hundred million. So Mello was chasing the bag while they were chasing championships and greatness. So their mindset didn't fall together, but people forget, man, this draft class was just so like, but it, it's, it's outlined by those four, like those four players is what makes this an argument, a case in point that this could be the greatest draft class of all time. If my memory is working right, I believe that mellow contract $124 million. He got 62 mil up front. He yeah. somehow got a maneuver to where he got half the money up front. And while he was still in New York, he got the other half. I'm like, hey, man, that's crazy. But I think it was also around the time he married Lala. And so, you know, New York. New York. I get, I get yep. it. I get all that. Mo, who are some other people in this draft class that stick out to you? Go ahead and stick. Take take three very, very quickly, if you could. Three other people in this draft class. We can talk about Melo, Bosch, um, the, Mel- the Darko and Melo, not two, three draft pick LeBron. Mm-hmm. Who are some, who take three quickly, if you could take three okay. different players that stick out to you and why you remember them for what they did in the NBA. I'm like, we talked about him earlier, but Mo Williams. Yeah. Yeah. He was very underrated. Uh, he was a really good player. He had some really good years in Milwaukee, but he gets more known for being on that. So bad team of the Cleveland Cavaliers mm-hmm. when LeBron James you know, went to the finals with no help. But Mo Williams, he was a guy. Plus, we have the same name. So that's one of those. <laughs> being named Maurice, I, I fell in love with him. Another guy like Mo Tractor Trailer, uh, Taylor. People mm-hmm. forget about him. But, hey, I, I remember all the guys named Maurice. So I would say Mo Williams. Kyle Corver. Yes. People don't realize Kyle Corver was in this draft. And another, another one of my favorites, and I'll say Michael P- or Mikel Pietris. Okay. People... When you talk about those Orlando teams with Dwight Howard and we talk, we mentioned Rashad Lewis. We mentioned uh, Jameer Nelson. Who else was on that team? Uh, Mikel Pietras was the starting small forward on that team. That was a really good team. Hito Turkoglu team went to the finals. Hito was good, man. I love watching Hito play. But people don't realize like Mikel Pietras was that he was that defender. He could hit threes if you needed him to. He wasn't necessarily a three and D guy. 
but he was like the glue to how that starting five was able to fit with Jameer Nelson. And then because it, the starting five wasn't that great when you just talk about names and teams who have chances of winning championships. But to me, he was that glue guy that allows Dwight Howard to do what he needs to do. He allows Jameer Nelson to be a smaller point guard because he's guarding the bet. Like he's that I'm doing the dirty work. I'm guarding the better player. You know, I'm guarding the best player on the opposite team. I hit threes if you need me, but he, he was like very important in that, you know, those couple of years of Orlando magic run. And a lot of people will forget about his name period. I think he played in the league for like 13 years. So he had a long, long career and then people will forget like him on that Orlando magic team, because they're going to talk the names that get meant Rashad Lewis, Hito Turkoglu and Dwight Howard, obviously. And then like the next guy you would bring up is Jameer Nelson. So, and he was a starter on that team and people will forget about him if you allow it to. Cause like I said, you wouldn't even realize Kyle Corver was in this draft class because like, yeah, he's been playing for a long time, but like I said, it's so, it's so highlighted by those four names. There's a lot of guys and even like TJ Ford, he's another guy. Man, okay, so before I get to the last little part of the show, you mentioned TJ Ford, and I saw a picture on Twitter whatever day that this that this draft took place, and it was the picture they take at the draft, just all your top picks that are mm-hmm. there. Bruh, those suits were not tailored at all. Now I understand baggy. It's the baggy, <laughs> it's the baggy clothes era. I get all that stuff. But whoever those agents were, they basically sent those guys out there on stage and said, hey, man, look, I'll represent you. But while I'm on st- while you on stage, don't say my name because my tailor did not hook you up. Those suits were embarrassing about how baggy they were. Yeah, that was one of those like, man, that looks like, man, we thought, you know, that, that looks at a time in life where we would go back and just look at clothes we were wearing. Like we thought we were so clean wearing the double triple XL T-shirts baggy shorts that go to your ankles you might as well buy some pants instead of you know jean shorts uh that that was definitely a a a heck of a time but i do think just like the the overall this draft class is really good like there's names i didn't even mention that would be well worth mentioning you know what i'm saying that like this draft class was really good and i think depth could win this argument as you do your draft classes uh your segments each month depth in this draft class could really reside and give you your better argument compared to what we think we talk off off air. Well, we think the three greatest draft classes of all time are depth in this draft class could be why you look back and say that this is the greatest draft class of all time. If you think that, but I mean, me, I'm more of a 96, even with my guys, the future, I'm more of a 96 NBA draft class is the greatest draft class of all time. One more name, 03 draft class, before I get to this last little segment, Boris Diaw. Can't forget him. I love watching him play. He played in Phoenix. He was he, in Phoenix with Barbosa. And Antonio would not have won rings without Boris Diaw. As, yeah. as crazy as that is to say, his control and his ability to operate at the high post and be that big man that could run the post at the top and not really score for himself, but you move the offense around, he'll find the open man. Boris mm-hmm. Diaw, Phoenix amazing. But San Antonio, if you go back and watch the 2013 and 2014 finals, you'll see Boris Diaw's fingerprints all over it. Not much in the stat sheet, but just on the court, very, very vital to that team's success. Very, very quickly, Mo, what to compare? You've mentioned it, the 86, the 96, and the 03 draft classes. A little bit interesting comparison. Not going to go crazy. I have mm-hmm. how many players were selected in each draft class, how many players played that were drafted in each draft class, and then also – 
how many all-stars were in each draft class. And some of these names you remember from the 84, some of them you may not. Well, you will, I'm sure. But some mm-hmm. people listening may be like, I forgot about that guy. He was an all-star. So the 84 draft class, there were 228 players drafted. This was back when they drafted everybody, bro. Like the NFL draft, drafted everybody. Yeah, 58 players played in the NBA. Now in the NBA, they said the overseas, just all players that played in the NBA. In the 96 draft, 58 players drafted. 47 players played in the NBA. The 03 draft, once again, 58 players drafted, 47 players played in the National Basketball Association. In the 84 draft, there were seven All-Stars. Charles Barkley, Michael Jordan, Hakeem Olajuwon, John Stockton, Otis Thorpe, Kevin Williams, Kevin Willis, and Alvin Robertson. That's a name I was not very familiar with when I was looking this stuff up. 96 draft class, 10 All-Stars. Sharif Abdul-Rahim, Ray Allen, Kobe Bryant, Zadrunas Elgowskis, Allen Iverson, Stefan Marbury, Steve Nash, Jermaine O'Neal, Peja Stoyakovich, and then Antoine Walker. And then for the 03 draft class, the all-stars in that draft class are, I got to go back and look this up, um, Delonte West, Carmelo Anthony, Chris Bosh, Josh Howard, LeBron, Chris Kamen, Kyle Korver, D. Wade, and I believe your boy Mo Williams is the other, or in the final, all-star in that draft class Mm -hmm. with those three breakdowns what does the 03 draft class stick out i know there's the 96 has more players that were all-stars does the 84 draft class stick out because they have more first ballot hall of famers does the 96 draft class stick out because they have guys that weren't hall of famers but a sharif abdul rahim and antoine walker who many will say are better than a mo williams and delante west that are all stars. Mm-hmm. What sticks out when you hear those three comparisons with the 03 draft class? I think a big break. What sticks out is, uh, and I guess, did you say, did you say how many championships were among each? I did not. Each? I did not. And I think that would be very key is like, because you look at like, like 03, you have Kendrick Perkins who ended up winning a championship, never made all star game, but adds to that championship. Uh, I think David West actually happened to be a champion in Golden State, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. But I will say the All-Stars, I think 96 to me, I'm not surprised. There's, there's, They have, what, one more All-Star than the 2003 draft, right? Yeah, one more. And they're stronger because I look at the quality All-Stars. I mean, Mo Williams was really good. I do like Mo Williams. Delonte West, he benefited from playing on Cleveland. Let's just be honest. He mm-hmm. played on Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Usually when the team is the best team in the conference, they get two to three guys. So he just pretty much got thrown on the team. There's not really a time where I ever thought Delonte West was an all-star. I'll just be honest. It was just, he played with LeBron James. You have him and his teammates there. Uh, Mo Williams is like a borderline all-star in Milwaukee. I think he got it in Cleveland too, if I'm not mistaken. I think his all-star appearance is probably in Cleveland too. But the 96 draft, if I started going down the list, you said the resume without the names besides like the Antoine. If we said all the names, like even not just the all-stars, but some of those got that, that, that 96 draft class was loaded, <laughs> loaded. And I was born in 95, but like that 96 draft loaded. Like people, we talk about the top of each draft class. I think it's fairly even. Uh, you have what Jordan, Barkley, and Hakeem Olajuwon. And John Stockton um, headlined the 84. Mm-hmm. Kobe Iverson, Ray Allen, 
Steve Nash might be the four that headlined the, the 96 draft. And then obviously we talked about Wade, LeBron, Bosch, and Mello headlined the 2003 draft. So just right there, those four guys, you probably would give the nod to the 84 half class. But if you start going deeper, you start digging into who these all-stars were and the impact they had on the game. I think that's where 96 wins. Cause you're talking about Paige Stoyakovic, Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, there were a few other guys. I, if I just went down the list, that's why I think Tony Delk was an impact player in the Celtics at one point, Carrie Kittles, Stefan Marbury. Like there was some guys like Carrie Kittles. He was a part of that Nets team that, that went to the Easter conference finals. Like people forget about that though. Cause they talk about Jason Kidd and then they even talk about Kenya Martin and uh, Richard Jefferson. Vince Those are Carter. the guys, but Carrie. Yeah. But, was Vince Carter a part of that team that I early? Believe, I think he was still in New Jersey at that time. I yeah, th- okay. I, I, th- with, I think with, he was. Yeah, with uh, with and it was like Kerry Kittles. That team was loaded. Then, like I said, Steve, we know who the big timers are. But even you mentioned like Marcus Camby. You have Marcus Camby, Eric Dampierre, Zadrun Tagalskis. Like there's guys who contributed on on championship contending teams. But I'm mistaken. Eric Dampierre is a, a, a champion. I think so. He won the championship on that 2011 Dallas Mavericks team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking about the starting center on that Dallas Mavericks team. Like, we're talking about some guys, and then there's some names that maybe some real hoop heads wouldn't know. Like I said, Tony Delk, I mentioned him. I feel like he really had to be into the NBA and, and knew how good he was in Boston. He wasn't a superstar or nothing, but he was a really good player. But even, like, I, I just – I was in love with that 96 draft class. I mean – all of them are historic, but like I didn't really get to see much of the '84. Yeah, think about. It. I know who all those guys are. I've seen them play. I watched. The, I grew up as a kid watching the Hardwood Classics, but it's still not the same. I didn't live in that moment where Jordan was a worldwide figure. I didn't live watching John Stockton and, and those guys. But with '96, I grew up watching all of them. And then '03 were like those were the the Jordan and the Magic Johnson, however type figures for my lifetime. But I just I give the nod to '96. Man, it's tough, man, because 03, you can go back and use we talked about the players in that era in that in that draft class. That 96 one is crazy. Cause imagine if Stefan mm-hmm. Marbury, different situation, head was on a little bit different. Stefan Marbury's looked at a whole lot different now. Mm-hmm. We, now people think about Marbury in China, 10 years over there, multiple championships. They built a museum about Stefan Marbury out there. People don't really get into Marbury in the NBA. My favorite all-star game that I've ever watched in my life, 2001 NBA All-Star game. Stephon Marbury hit big-time threes in that game, and I believe they came back from down 21 points to beat the West when the West was the bigger, the stronger. I mean, you had KG, you had Chris Webber, you had Tim Duncan. These Tim Duncan, guys, Kobe, Shaq. <laughs> your front line, I mean, your front was like big man versus small guys, and the small guys won that. But 96, man, we can go all through that. We'll, like I said, guys, we'll hit all these draft classes next few months. I'm going to hit one a month and really just have a lot of fun reminiscing, talking about basketball. The 02 draft class is next. If you want to know when that'll be, that'll probably be in September due to college, college football starting. Going to do some preview stuff mm-hmm. in the month of August. But September, get back into this, the 02 draft class. Get somebody from the Off the Ball Network to come back on just like Mo. Mo, this has been fun, man. Once again, let everyone know where they can catch you on Twitter, then also where they can catch your show as well. Yeah, so, you know, like I said in the beginning of the show, well, first off, Jay, I appreciate you for having me on. It's been definitely fun, and I'm sure we could talk to these draft classes for the next two hours, but 
for the entertainment of listeners. We'll cut it short here. But you can follow me at Mo underscore Cheese 15 on Twitter, Instagram, or at Up in Flames Pod on Twitter, Instagram. You can hear my on Spotify, Apple, Anchor, pretty much wherever you get your podcast. I'm more so uh, I post. I prefer if people can listen on Spotify or Apple. I don't know. I'm, I'm an Apple guy myself. So I just those are the two like links I'll probably post. But yeah, it's been fun. And I mean, man, like talk about it's nothing like reminiscing mm-hmm. with, as you're getting because it's like I'm not old yet, but I'm getting older where I'm like, man, I can start talking about the good times that I remember wins. And so being at that age and talk about like I remember these drafts. I grew up on these players. These were my Jordans and da 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 is like. It's always a great feeling, great conversation. It always brings some enlightenment because it, it brings the, the eyes to people who listen. Like, you forgot about this guy. You didn't even know this guy was in that draft class. So, you know, conversations like this can even get people really working their brain and be like, man, it does. I, I never thought about those guys in the same light, in the same draft, in the same this. Like, so, yeah, this is definitely fun. I'm looking forward to listening to all your other shows with the other guys, you know, but I set the standard on this draft class thing, so they better bring it. <laughs> hey, Mo set the standard pretty, pretty high. Brought all the knowledge, all the info, and I really, really enjoyed it. Mo will have you back on, like I told you earlier, for another one of these right. draft class reminiscing type of shows to go back and just really remember the differences, the similarities. What makes these draft classes stand apart? Mo Murphy, thank you for coming on to the Jay Stevens podcast. Guys, remember, we'll see Mo here in the future very, very soon for a dream college football road trip. Mo. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yep, 100%. That was a teaser or a preview of what's to come as we look back at more NBA draft classes. The next one, 2002. If you want to get ahead and look at those draft classes before we talk about them here on the podcast, go right ahead. Also in a few weeks, the Dream College football road trip. Mo Murphy will be a part of that. Jeff Hunt and Chris LeBron, three of the head men at the Off the Ball Network. Trust me, it'll be a lot of fun, enjoyable And when you get to find out what the rules are for this road trip, I think you'll want to participate as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Jay Stevens Podcast. If you enjoyed what you listened to in this episode, please head to Apple Podcast and leave a five-star rating plus a comment. It is greatly appreciated. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. You can also send all of your emails to jstevenspond at gmail.com. This has been episode 208 of the J. Stevens Podcast. I will see y'all next time.